Hi, I'm Natalie Goldberg, and welcome to Education from an Equal. Today, we're going to be talking to Hannah, a girl who lives in rural Oregon, about her experience with an abortion at the age of 14. So, Hannah, do you want to introduce yourself really quick before we start? Yeah, um, I'm Hannah. I am going into my senior year of high school. I like to draw. (laughs) Fun fact. Um, Yeah, that's pretty much it. So I'm probably just going to get right into the questions right now. So the first one is, how did you find out that you were pregnant? Right. So I I figured it out. I think I knew pretty much immediately. It's weird. You kind of get this feeling. I don't know. I've talked to some other girls about it and you just kind of know, but that's, you know, not necessarily medical, but I had that feeling. I did track at the time. I was a freshman, a freshman and, um, it was my first um, high school season of track. I was pretty passionate about it. And I was at a morning track practice. And um, I just suddenly had to throw up. And then that night, I took a pregnancy test. I was alone at my house. And uh, when it came back positive, I was just hysterical. Um, it was like, <laughs> it was just, you know, that feeling of falling and, and sort of that endless feeling and it did not go away pretty much until I got the abortion. Mm -hmm. Did you know immediately after you got that positive result that you were going to get an abortion or was it a debate over what you were going to do? Um it all happened so fast but I think I called um my mom and I also called um my boyfriend at the time uh who's also my current boyfriend uh Mm -hmm. and you know, I think it was really emotional, but I think, yeah, pretty immediately, I think I was 14 at the time. So it felt like kind of unbelievable that I wouldn't have an abortion and I didn't have any moral qualms with it and neither did any of my family members. Um, well, that's not true. <laughs> not any mm-hmm. of the people that I consulted about it. Like I, I was so ambitious that year and I still am, but I was especially ambitious freshman year of high school. You know, I had um, just gotten back from Nat Poles um, for speech and debate Mm -hmm. and done really well. I think I got third in my event. I guess I probably shouldn't say what the event was, but I don't know. I just, it was insane that those two things could have happened like within a week of each other. And yeah, I, I mean, I had so many big plans and like the thought of just suddenly canceling those. I mean, it did occur to me for sure, but I was afraid, you know, the legalities of it. Um, yeah, like really afraid that there is something like maybe I had been pregnant for longer than I thought and there'd be some technicality and I couldn't get the abortion and basically my life would be ruined. Um, mm-hmm. I was also worried that like my parents would, um, especially my dad, would have some reservation and like maybe force me to take a period of time to think it over, quote, and then that would push me over that deadline. Um, I was worried because I Googled immediately like where the nearest abortion clinic would be. And I live Mm -hmm. in a rural area and it was really far. And like that, that scared me too. I was really angry at the time. I remember I was super angry actually that there was no like abortion clinic in my town. And so we ended up having to make the appointment for Planned Parenthood Portland. And coincidentally, like that week, my entire family was out of town except for my dad Mm-hmm. Um, and so he took me, and which was probably the worst case scenario if you had asked my freshman self. 
Um, yeah. Because my dad, my dad had actually been a really big reason that I was in that situation in the first place. He had prevented me from getting birth control because he was super, I think to him, sex was super taboo. I was too young in his opinion. And I think that's a really complicated issue to unpack, but yeah, he had prevented me from getting birth control. Something that I was really passionate about at the time and still am, this idea that someone else can decide, you know, what your, this is, it's just a difficult topic to broach because I never want to border on this idea that like you can be younger than the age of consent and give consent because mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I don't really want to endorse any type of like, you know, ideology down that path. But I yeah. do think that at that time, like, there was there was no way that someone else's view of my like sexual behaviors was going to stop me from having sex and yeah. i think that's really uncomfortable for people to hear like to hear a 14 year old girl say i'm going to have sex and there's nothing you can do to stop me it's disturbing to some people uh and i don't necessarily think it should be i mean it's still difficult for me to like i don't know how i would advise someone my own age i don't know no i but- i totally understand like it it is so difficult. And I think part of the reason why it's so stigmatized is that people just don't want to talk about it. But I feel like it's important for people to think back, like adults to think back to when they were that age and think about if what anybody else said would have stopped them. And they need to just like take a step back and realize that kids are still the same. Teenagers are still the same, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think that that's honestly all I really have to say. Because I mean, I've never felt guilty about it. I think that's something that I really wanted to get across as soon as, you know, this opportunity came up is one thing that I feel like gets really uh, lost in this conversation is that you don't have to feel any type of way about it. Like I didn't, and it really frustrated me. My mom felt, my mom blamed herself. My mom's really progressive and she was lobbying for me to get birth control at the time. And my dad basically said no. Um, Mm -hmm. And she felt she blamed herself for not just getting it for me behind his back. My parents are divorced. And yeah. um, I, I honestly, I think it's really been annoying, almost just sort of like frustrating that she feels this immense guilt, like almost like she got the abortion. And she's always sort of talking about how like, it's probably traumatized me. I'll, I'll fear that I'm going to hell. Like she genuinely believes that I carry that burden and then she Mm -hmm. carries it too because of that. And I really, truly don't. And this idea that like when you do have an abortion that you have to carry that burden or that, that other people assume that you're sort of traumatized uh, is just, you know, not true. Um, There's no burden and there's really not much shame, but there is fear. Um, that other people are going to, you know, persecute you for those decisions. Mm -hmm. Um, But I really think that (laughs) when it comes to the pro-choice, pro-life debate, um, people really do need to understand that, like, not everyone feels that guilt that the pro-life movement is trying to force upon them and that you shouldn't assume that anyone else does because that hurts in and of itself. Like, I don't want anyone to see me as a victim or as someone who's, you know, that's a really extreme um, assumption to make about someone that they're questioning, you know, their soul, yeah. <laughs> you know, like that is a really serious thought. So that hurts to know that people could would think that about me. But um, yeah, damn that's heavy. So interesting. <laughs> no, that's it's I I think it's so interesting and so powerful for you to share the fact that 
you don't have any like guilt or reservations or any feelings at all about it. Because so many people do make that assumption. And I think it's so important for people who have had abortions to know that like you're not required to feel anything about it. It's just like going to the doctor to like get another medical procedure. Yeah. And I wish, honestly, I think that I would feel so much better about it, um, sharing it really, because that's where the fear is. It's just like what people are going to do to you. I remember after, I think this is slightly extreme, but I, I was scared. I like, I genuinely, I made myself like this promise to myself that I would never tell anyone, um, not even my best friend, which I didn't for years. Um, mm-hmm because I was afraid that it would get out at my school and people would find out and that, you know, like they would egg my house, that they would hurt me, you know, that they would find any excuse to just sort of like ostracize me. Um, And that really haunted me. And when I opened up about it, it felt good in some ways, but I still felt that, you know, the people who I opened up to about it, they felt bad for me. Like, something horrible had happened, like something that I'm going to regret the rest of my life type thing. And I didn't ask for that, you know, weight from them and I don't want it. Um, and so that was another difficult thing when I opened up to people about it, they sort of treated me differently. Like even the progressive people I talked to, they treated me differently in that I was a victim and I never wanted to be viewed that way. It's super important, I think, to bring it up, the fact that it's even within the progressive, like, pro-choice movement that people are still using it to victimize people. And definitely, I'm sure that there are, obviously, I can't speak on it because I've never had an abortion, but I'm sure that there are some people who have that do feel guilty or do worry that they're going to hell or whatever your mom is worried about Mm -hmm. for you. And Mm -hmm. I think it's a hard, it's a hard line between... Like, how how do you support the people who do feel that way? Because that's important also. But also, how do you destigmatize the procedure enough so that people can completely understand how people like you feel? That it's just like any other medical procedure that happened and you don't feel any guilt or shame or anything about it. I mean, when it comes down to it, I really think that abortion is just a medical procedure. And, you know, I took Plan B pills many times. And I felt like it was almost the same thing. Um, And honestly, when it comes down to it, that's what the procedure is. Um, Yeah. Like that was the procedure. I came in, I, you know, drove to Portland to Planned Parenthood with my dad and sat in a waiting room and saw, you know, a lot of young girls younger than me, which was pretty crazy. I remember we were all in that same spot and they were younger than me. I saw, you know, girls that looked like as young as 11 in there, which was really you know, something. I don't really know how to address that, but it was definitely an experience I won't forget. And then I went in and that that was pretty much the like extent of the shock of it was just to see so many other girls there. Um, but I went in and um, they literally gave me um, almost just like a physical and mm-hmm. then one pill, um, they drew my blood And then I went home and I took the other pill and it was just like, I had my period and I was like, oh, thank goodness I have my period. And then I really went on with my life. Um, I think though the, I've heard that in other states there are laws about, you know, you have to listen to the heartbeat or some insanity. um, Yeah. Which I didn't have to do. I think that that would have been 
bizarre and the doctors were so progressive i don't think that even if they were supposed to do that they would have honestly but i'm not sure yeah. that what just the laws seems are. so awful and traumatizing for no reason yeah i don't and and just honestly like unnecessary I don't like really medically know. unnecessary even. Right. And I think that that's the whole point is that they're trying to traumatize you because they want you to, I don't even know. Like it's so much to understand the headspace of someone who would want to choose for another person. It's like who would want to choose for a woman what she's going to do, you know, in that situation. Like it must be, <laughs> I don't know. I can't imagine being in that space to want to choose for someone else. But um, yeah, it was it was super like a lighthearted conversation. Um, I literally I remember talking about track and I remember talking about um, my grades. Like I was just and I was just rambling on about you know I was stressed about my biology class. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it was just it was a really lighthearted experience. But I think that what seeing those really young girls in there like it really I was like what in the world would we do if we didn't have this option um and I thought about it on the car at home I remember thinking if I wasn't able to get an abortion I think I would have killed myself like that's how horrifying the prospect of having to like you know (laughs) deal with having like having to carry a pregnancy to term and like then the adoption process and everything because not you know my life everything that I'd worked toward you know I had been a little try hard since you know second grade as long as I can remember the things that I was working towards then were the things that I was working towards when I was a freshman in high school and that was my idea of what life was and the idea that it would just be thrown away um, was unbearable to me and I don't think that I would have been okay if I had to keep that and so yeah I mean I'm just really grateful that Planned Parenthood exists and I don't you know I don't know what would have happened um if I didn't have that and I could say the same probably for some of those other really young girls you know imagine being 11 12 years old in that position and then having to you know actually go through with that you know I don't think that's even medically safe (laughs) yeah I, I yeah it's it's insane and I I think a lot of people sometimes don't really realize the trauma in some ways of what it means to carry a pregnancy for that long because a lot of people say that if you don't want to have the baby in your life or you don't want the baby to mess up your life you can just give it up for adoption but I think what they misunderstand is the fact that you're gonna have to be going through your school day doing all your work while carrying this baby and dealing with obviously the physical harms that can come with that as well as all of the social issues that you're likely to face as a person in high school or even younger in middle school or even elementary school. Like I think you're still in elementary school when you're 11 years old. And that's what many people within the pro-life movement don't understand. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And also like how much would be disrupted by that. Like I was trying to compete in debate tournaments, you know, Mm -hmm. like what would I have done really shown up pregnant and showing and clearly I I mean I looked even young for my age at that time and I was 14 and yeah that's just I mean people are so you know that really just gets people's attention and the stares would have been a lot um because I've seen you know things like that before on tv and it's like they're freak shows and I think that's cool to have to put someone and I was already so insecure just because I was like 
a teenage girl literally still going through puberty in many ways. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, I don't know how I would have been able to cope with just some of the physical, you know, things that come with pregnancy. Like, I couldn't even cope with, like, a stretch mark on my thigh. Like, I was, was, you know, just so not ready for that and on many levels. And I think, you know, the feeling of being trapped, you know, by your own body is really a bridge into some pretty serious mental health issues. Mm -hmm. Um, And it makes sense to me why you know, a lot of women who feel like they can't choose for themselves, who feel like they aren't in control of their own bodies, um, would have a lot of struggles with that. And I've talked to my um, friend who also had an abortion recently um, about that specifically. And that feeling of being out of control of your body is just so frightening. And I think that lately in the news, like we've both been keeping up with what's happening with um, access to abortion and like suddenly there was recently a big push um, with COVID to like make it impossible to access that. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I felt that on the level that I felt like if I had gone through that now, what happens if I wouldn't have been able to access that? And I feel that lack of control all over again. Um, So it's really painful actually just to keep up with abortion news um, to hear it mentioned in class. I have this one language arts teacher who thinks it's the funniest example for an argument. He uses it almost every day when he's teaching how to write argumentative essays. He's like, mm-hmm. well, this isn't this type of essay, you know, where you'd be arguing about, you know, abortion. Should they be able to have abortions? And he just like mentions it so nonchalantly. Um, and I really think people shouldn't do that. <laughs> and it's impossible for me to say anything because I really don't have that courage at my school to just sort of openly talk about the fact that I've had an abortion but it stings every time time he says that because it reminds me of the fact that my body is a debate and it's something that people can choose sides on and he feels like he can't choose a side on and the fact that like teachers have to remain neutral on whether or not I have control over my body is so bizarre to me yeah Um, oh my god yeah well, that, I think that that's just, like, yet another reason why abortion should be treated as just another medical procedure because it's something that's, like, even what we talked about earlier with the people who do feel it as something that they need to be ashamed of um, versus people who are in your position, I think that it's just such a personal thing that nobody else needs to know your decision and your choices. He wouldn't be having those, like, he wouldn't be using it as an example if it was like I don't know another medical procedure like I don't know go, right. getting like a pap smear or something like that like nobody's like using it as an example and I just think right. that it's it's just something that needs to be like the individual like obviously I think that but I'm just like reiterating right right I mean it's something that I have to sit with sometimes and just sort of um, process that if I did decide to be super open about it and this you know figure of confidence in my choices as a pro-choice um you know quote activist if I were to just go out and talk about it all the time Mm -hmm. that I would have to sit with the fact that there are people who genuinely think that I'm going to hell and that I'm a horrible person and am a murderer and my grandpa actually mentioned once that (laughs) I think I was arguing with him about actually some like 
Civil War issue, you know, <laughs> from the South. And I don't even remember it was at Thanksgiving um, right after this happened. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, the only thing worse than the deaths caused by the Civil War is abortion. Oh my and God. I just remember, like, my dad, like, running across the room to like escort me out of the conversation and he wasn't really being noble either because I know that he has some of those beliefs too it's very conservative Mm -hmm. but I I don't know I just remember like that struck me because my grandpa like had always been sort of my biggest fan a very like cheesy relationship he only had two sons he said I was a daughter he never had made this big deal about it and the idea that he could he would consider me a murderer worse than those, like the, the, you know, some force committed all the murders in the civil war. I just, Mm -hmm. like, I couldn't believe that. I was this 14 year old girl, you know, just genuinely just trying my best to be a good person, like, and make a difference in the world. And then to be labeled a murderer is so unnecessarily um, evil. (laughs) Yeah, no, I completely agree. That's so awful. Oh goodness. It's sad. It's sad that people, you know, could isolate themselves from people they love because of that. Another thing that I really want to talk about that I think is important is how you were able to go through the process of getting an abortion, especially in like a rural area where the nearest abortion clinic was so far away, especially because I think that people in your same situation listening who might need help, I think this this would be very helpful. So is there anything else you could talk about in terms of like how you scheduled it and figured it out? Yeah, I think I called ahead to Planned Parenthood. Um, and it's pretty simple. Like the people there are really... Uh, experienced with you know young people who don't necessarily know what they're doing when they're going to visit and they set up an appointment for me and the payment was made when I was there and it was $600 which is so much money Um, I know it was my dad covered it thank goodness I would not have been Mm -hmm. able to afford that at the time but I think that with those $600 you don't have to you know, think, okay, I can't afford the $600. So I'm just going to wait a really long time so I can save up myself. Like, don't be afraid to ask people for help. I think like there was a time previously where I had um, a friend who needed plan B and it was $50 and she couldn't afford it at the time. And so a bunch of people just chipped in that were part of our little group chat and she was able to afford her plan B. I think things like that, like you might underestimate how far they go. And then we had this one friend um, whose mom was this really big feminist and she contributed like extra um, and probably would have paid the whole thing if we hadn't already chipped in some money. So I think like if you're trying to figure out how to pay for it, just contacting people that you know are really involved in being pro-choice and like contacting people like me who are really um, passionate about getting you that access uh, would definitely help. Yeah, and I mean... Definitely, like, for anybody who's listening to this, like, you can always, like, email me or DM my account or the podcast Instagram account, and I will always 
Venmo you money or whatever because I agree that it's so important and it's so much better to just have to go to like Walmart or whatever to get some plan B than to have to go through the whole process and the $600 of getting an abortion so yeah 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 and then um driving up to Portland I think that could definitely be a barrier for some people is like that distance but Mm -hmm. I mean I think there's always public transportation to get up there um, and then just really making use of people that you trust and not being afraid to tell them what's going on and just being really forthcoming. I think that that shame really keeps people from doing things that are going to be in their best interest ultimately. Um, and I, if I could say something to my younger self, it really would be like, this isn't, this doesn't matter. It genuinely does not matter. Um, you're going to forget about this really soon. You're so much bigger than this. And I also think if anyone tries to tell you that you should be guilty about this or you should question who you are, don't. Because they should question who they are in that position. You're being courageous. And um, honestly, there's nothing more that you can do in this situation. So just sort of be content and that you're doing the right thing for yourself. I think I would definitely hope that that message is communicated by any, if anything, during this interview. Yeah, that's, that's really powerful and really important. And I think that that's something that, like, everybody who is in your situation, like, needs to hear, like, thank you for that. Like, that's amazing. Yeah, no problem. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the last question that we have today is, what did you gain from having an abortion? I think I gained a lot of perspective. I think that I was really a perfectionist in all aspects of my life and, you know, obsessed with 4.0 GPA all the way through high school, obsessed with, you know, just being this perfect student and also daughter and also just perfection in all aspects of my life. And I realized, you know, that just doesn't exist. And there are a lot of people who never got the chance to start off with that clean state slate that I had going into high school or just like, because I'm privileged in a lot of ways um, that they feel like they don't, they can't be perfect in that way. And like that ability to be a perfectionist was really a privilege that I had and that, you know, life is messy and that I think I gained that really important perspective that like not everyone's going to think that I'm this perfect person and that, I don't know, it's actually kind of hard to articulate because I think that it really just comes down to like having to accept that everything that happens to you isn't going to be marketable almost, um, Mm -hmm. which is really how I lived my life. And um, you just kind of have to keep trying your best, even when your perfect Sims world is kind of broken, um, which is really (laughs) what happened to me is that this perfect Sims world that I had built wasn't broken. You you can't just start over. Um, You can't just build a new character who doesn't have anything that anyone could perceive as wrong, like having had an abortion. Like, I couldn't just start over, and I think I really, really wanted to at that point. Um, And then, but once you're past that, once you're past this Sims world idea of your life, and you just kind of roll with everything, um, it's just a lot easier to enjoy what happens. And I think that's what I gained from it is just letting go of the idea that everything had to be a certain way and just sort of rolling with everything. Um, yeah. that And that means a lot to me, I think as a person, um, even now, 
that message. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being willing to talk to me about this and be on the podcast and be vulnerable about your story because I think it's really important to share just narratives about abortion in general, but especially ones where people have your kind of feeling on it, where they're just treating it as any other medical procedure. Um, Because I think that that's something that's underrepresented in a lot of like even pro-choice like media. So thank you so much again. And is there anything else that you want to share? Um, yeah, just one like little anecdote of one story of an instance where I tried to get birth control and kind of how my school let me down. Um, Oh, yeah, that's important. Yeah, I actually went to a counselor who I, I believe got fired from my school. And for whatever reason, I'm sure it was rightfully she I went to her she was my counselor signed um Mm -hmm. and I went to her and I told her basically the situation and I said I really wanted to go to this appointment during school hours so I didn't have to sort of have to sneak out of my house because my parents were very strict and they picked me up and dropped me off from school every day um and she said yeah like there's a sort of there's a confidentiality policy where you you can make appointments to go to this um clinic in town and the school can't call your parents. And there's this code that they use for that. And I was like, okay. So I made myself the appointment sitting in her office. And she told me that it was going to be like listed as like a school activity, an in-school activity when I missed that class to go do this. Mm-hmm. And I arranged for a ride from a friend. Um, I did everything right. You know, I felt yeah. like I was doing everything right. And I went and the whole appointment was this huge disaster. The woman was saying that like, I was trying to get an IUD and she was saying that it was like riskier to get an IUD at that particular clinic, which is such a bizarre thing to say to someone, first of all. Yeah. <laughs> what? Like, you're not good enough to give me, like, this is so uh, scary. And um, they eventually said that it like didn't work. Like it just, um, there's some anatomical reason that that IUD wasn't compatible with my body, which is really unfortunate. And then I left and went back to school. And when I got to school, um, I was being bombarded by cell phone calls from my parents. And they were saying like, where are you? We're looking around town for you. We're coming to the school to interrogate you about where you've been. Um, And I was like, what? I was supposed to have been excused. This wasn't supposed to be a thing. And I went into the office and this, I remember it was like one of the other counselors who was sort of in charge of crisis situations mm-hmm. came to me in class and she pulled me out of class and she was like, we're so sorry. Um, your counselor just totally forgot to excuse this absence. Um, she, you know, is so sorry about anything that happens. We're, you know, we're hoping that it's not too bad for you at home. And I realized she was just trying to de-escalate the situation because I could have made much more of a fuss to the school about really just breaking confidentiality in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. and I also didn't understand how she could have just forgotten it you know she could have coded that days before it didn't really make much sense to me and she had frowned on the entire situation like she asked me if I was doing it behind my parents back and she sort of voiced that she was uncomfortable with that and I felt like she almost purposely did it and I don't really know but I really strongly feel that and I also realized that my parents were very strict and I was punished like severely for that, but my parents aren't abusive. Mm-hmm. And if I had been living in a home where my parents were abusive, that could have been a really horrible situation that would have been the school's fault. Um, 
And so, yeah, I've kind of had trust issues in a lot of ways with like certain aspects of, you know, what is confidentiality and how, what, what function do counselors have at my school um, ever since. And because I really had like a very um, most filtered perception of what my school stood for. And I always was really optimistic about like how they would protect me. And there were a lot of instances after that where I would, that trust would continue to be broken down. But yeah, that was a very traumatizing experience, especially that the way my parents treated so me. Horrible! Oh my god. Yeah. Ugh. I. I mean, I have had problems, like personally, and also just hearing from other people. Like, there, there have been so many problems with school counselors at my high school too, and I live in a much more progressive area than you mm-hmm. and so I can't even imagine like oh my god and I'm imagining like I know you live in like rural Oregon but mm-hmm. imagining people that like live in the south or places like that where it's even more rural and even more like normalized conservatism I can't even imagine yeah and I wonder how many like girls in my same position have really been sabotaged by um, people who they thought were allies because yeah. I thought that she would be an ally, and I really don't think that she was. And I um, have since sort of realized that if if I'm ever in a position where I'm going to raise kids, that I want it to be in a space that isn't rural Oregon, um, because I would really never want something like that to happen to you know um, someone that means so much to me. Um, but I guess that's obvious. But I just think that when it comes down to it for me cost benefit analysis like living in a place like this, <laughs> yeah but living in a place like this uh, it's not worth it uh there were so many things that could have gone wrong more than they did um and still could and that is really scary and i think that like there is something to this idea that we should stay and populate places where there is a lot of conservative um ideology but it at the same time, for me, um, I think I've dealt with it enough. I think I've had my fill. I am, you know, getting out of here as soon as possible, honestly. Yeah, um, understandable. Like, there, there's, yeah. we have to weigh, like, yes, we need to populate these areas and, like, work to change them. But also, like, how detrimental is it to, like, ourselves and, like, our own lives? Right. Yeah, and living in an area where you could potentially not have access to an abortion one day and have access to it the next like that's I just I don't think that I could ever live in that like that kind of fear of just feeling like you know suddenly my body's out of my hands um, no I completely yeah. agree yeah okay well thank you so much again for being willing to speak on this yeah no problem Thank you so much for tuning in to the second episode of Season 3, Education from an Equal Bold. The next episode will be released on Saturday, August 29th, two weeks from now. If you want a preview of what we will be discussing, be sure to check out my website, www.educationfromanequal.com. And remember to follow the podcast on Instagram, at educationfromanequalpodcast. Thank you so much for listening. See you next time on Education from an Equal.